Hey, we're honored that you're here again joining us online or on Cable Channel 2. Uh, welcome again to Colonial Hill Baptist Church. Thanks for worshiping with us today. And today is Palm Sunday. Uh, just one more reminder, at the end of service, we're going to take communion. So if you missed that announcement, be sure you grab some crackers or bread, uh, maybe something that could represent the blood, maybe juice or something like that. And you could take communion with the end of our service. Uh, I want you to pray for Easter next week. This is a totally different Easter than the church, the big C church has ever experienced before. But I still believe, as Josh alluded to, that God can move in mighty ways through online services. Last year, we had 100 plus people profess Christ as Savior in our services on Easter. And I want the same thing to happen. I'm believing God for 100 plus people to say, I trust Jesus as Lord and Savior next Sunday. So I want you to pray. I want you to pray with us that God will move mightily. I also want you to invite people to join you online. Now, I know they can't come into your house. They can't come with you and sit with you in service, but you can say, hey, I would love for you to tune in to Colonial Hill on Facebook Live next week. Studies show that someone is four times more likely to accept an invitation from you to come to church on Easter than any other Sunday of the year. Now, I don't know if that works for online viewing, but let's hope it does. Extend an invitation to family, friends, classmates, coworkers, neighbors. Say, hey, I'd love for you to join us online. And we're just believing a whole lot of people are gonna be moving from religion to relationship with Jesus next week in Jesus' name. Uh, so that's what we're kind of talking about. We're talking about what is the will of God for my life? We believe everybody on the planet is on a spiritual continuum. Even if you're an atheist today, or you've been following Jesus for 30 years, you're somewhere on that spiritual continuum and you have a next step to take. The problem is so many of us don't know where we are on the continuum and thus don't know the next step. That's kind of what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be your spiritual tour guide, so to speak. Our theme verse for this series, Proverbs 29:18, it says that people can't see what God is doing. Another translation says, if there's no vision, the people perish. If you can't see what God is doing, you'll stumble all over yourselves. I'll say this, the mess that most people are in is not having something bigger than your mess. Let me say that again. The mess that most people are experiencing is not having something bigger than your mess. And that's what God is trying to do. He says, if you can't see what you're doing, you're going to stumble all over yourselves. But when you attend to what God reveals. Not only will you be blessed, you will be most blessed. And that's what I want for you. I want you to be most blessed. And the word blessed there is this contentment to my soul. It's this joy. It's not talking about money and riches necessarily. It's talking about just that, that void that you might fill is completely full. Uh, that's what I want for you. That's, that's what I, I hope for your life. And, and God has shown us what he's revealed all throughout the Bible. In fact, the earliest that I see it is Exodus 6, all the way through Revelation. He gives these four principles. He goes, these are the four steps I'd like for you to take. This isn't my words. These are his words, and they're all throughout his book. I call it the path of life. Uh, the psalmist calls it the way of life. You'll show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence. And that's what I'm trying to do, church. I want, that's, the, that's my dream. That's, that's what I, I shoot for. There's nothing greater than I get more satisfaction from than seeing some of you find joy in the presence of God. I want to lead you to that presence so you can abide there, you can dwell there, and the pleasures of living with him forever. That's what we're trying to do. I try to help people. Now our vision, we talk about it a lot. You've heard it if you've been here for any length of time. You can write these down again because uh, <laughs> these are, uh, this is what we are. This is who we're trying to become. We want to be a place that helps you know God. We do that through these services. 
So again, not just know God here, but really know God here. I want you to have a relationship with Jesus, not a religion. He never came to sell religion. He said, I want to have a relationship, a real, personal, powerful, intimate, deep relationship with the living God. He said, I want you to find freedom. And that's what we're talking about today. We're kind of going backwards because, again, we don't... We can't start our journey unless we know where we're going. So we're, we're working our way backwards, but find freedom. I want you to find freedom. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. And it says in the Bible that God's spirit will, will quicken your mortal body. In other words, it starts to change the natural part of you that's messed up. So you know God, but a lot of us are still kind of messed up if we're honest. But his Holy Spirit will quicken your mortal body and it will help change the natural part of you. That's where you can find some freedom. Freedom from, from habits and addictions and anger and attitudes and, and your past. You can't see your future unless you settle your past. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of you that need to take this step today. You need to find some freedom in Jesus' name. He came to set you free. He says, I've come to set you free. It's for freedom I've set you free. He wants you to be free today. We talked about this one last week, is to discover your purpose. You were, to, you were created on purpose for a purpose so that you can make a difference. Make a difference, that's the ultimate way to live your life. Now, when we go back to finding freedom, the Bible talks a lot about finding freedom through relationships. And I do think that's the best place to find freedom. And we do that through small groups here. Uh, we believe in James five sixteen, which says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So if you want to get freedom, if you want to get healed, he doesn't say confess your sins to me, pray to me. He says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. He's an each other kind of God. And so I think that's the number one way to find freedom, and we do that through small groups. But right now, we're in this period of social distancing, and we can't even meet. I know a lot of groups are meeting on Zoom and things, which is great. But I'm gonna talk about a different way that you can find freedom today that aligns with our government mandates to stay apart from each other. <laughs> First Corinthians 1.18, let me show you this verse. For the message of the cross, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the cross of Jesus Christ. And the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. In other words, if people don't have a relationship with Jesus, they don't understand the cross. But to us who are being saved, Okay, to you and I who are being saved is the power of God. So the cross is power. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. In the blood of the Lamb of the Come on, Baptist, sing with me. Come on. There's power there. In fact, li listen to this. This is out of Revelation 12. It says, then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. Now, this is the end times. But it says, it's come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God, and the authority of his Christ. So Jesus Christ died on the cross not just to give you salvation, not just to give you salvation, but to give you power and to give you authority. Let's keep reading. For the accuser, that's the enemy, that's the devil, of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night, and they have defeated him. How? How did they defeat him? By the blood. There's power in the blood. That's what we're talking about today. I want you to find some freedom, not in relationships. That's a great way. I want you to find some freedom in the cross, in the blood that was shed for you and for me. There is power in the blood. That's how we defeat him, the blood of the lamb and by the word 
of their testimony. And Jesus went through some interesting things. And I'm going to talk about those today. And I'll be honest with you, this, <laughs> this is going to be a rough one. Uh, I try to incorporate humor into my messages. And even as I was just rehearsing this and what I was going to say to you today, uh, I got weepy. And I'm just hoping that I don't get weepy today. Uh, this is going to be tough because we're going to talk about the cross. And I'm going to talk about what actually happened to Jesus. So you really, really know. Because there's a lot of uh, misinformed people that think this is what happened. No, no, no. This is what happened. And, and, and everything that he did was intentional. So it all started on Thursday night. On Thursday night, um, he was observing Passover, which we're going to do in just a little bit, with his disciples. And they broke the bread and they drank the cup. And he said, do this in remembrance. He never tells us how often we should do it. But he said, as oft as you do it, do this in remembrance of me. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet. And at some point during the washing of the feet, Judas Iscariot sneaks out of the room. And he goes and he betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And he goes to the Jewish religious leaders and he said, if you want to arrest him, I'll tell you where he's at. And so they send the Roman authorities, the soldiers, to go arrest Jesus. By this time, Jesus has left and he is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying. He knows what these next hours hold. And I love that when he's about to go through something, what's he doing? He's on his knees praying to the Father. Listen to me, this is a message in the message, but some of you are going through some stuff. I've been counseling all week on Zoom and on FaceTime and phone calls. A lot of you are scared because of job loss or income loss or just the, the fear of a, of a cough. And anytime you're going through something, do what Jesus did and just go to the Father and just pray to God until he gives you that peace. That's what he's doing. And they arrest him. And the Roman soldiers, they, they take him and they all night long take him through six different trials, which actually was illegal. Uh, Roman law and Jewish law, you, you could not try somebody in the middle of the night, but they just <laughs> uh, disregarded those. And, and he was actually tried all night, six different trials. Uh, he, went to, he, was, he met with uh, Annas, and Caiaphas, then he met with the Sanhedrin, he met with Pilate, then Herod, and then Pilate again. And so Jesus, all night long, from about 9 p.m. to 6 a.m., he's being tried. And I love this in Matthew 26, he said, the chief priests were looking for false evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Why were they looking for false evidence? Why couldn't they find any? Because he was perfect. Hebrews says that he was tempted in every way you and I are tempted yet he was without sin because he kept yielding his life to the will of God for his life so they were trying to find anything in fact they actually tried to get people to perjure Jesus and lie just so they'd have some grounds for execution but then they said tell us if you are the Christ the son of God yes it is as you say now they have something and that's what they use they said you're lying you're blaspheming you're not the son of God. And they spit in his face, struck him with their fists, and others slapped him. And by the way, the word Christ there, when you, when you hear the word Christ, it means the one with the anointed power to break the yoke of slavery on your life. That's why we can find freedom in Christ and Christ alone. It's because he's the one who's been anointed to break the yoke of slavery on your life. And when he said, I am the son of God, 
basically he eliminated everybody from saying, yeah, I kind of follow some of the things that Jesus taught, but not all of the things. When he said, I'm the son of God, he said a, a huge statement, and he's either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's Lord. Those are the only three options. He's either lying out of his head, he's crazy, or we should fall down and worship him. I am the Christ. I am the son of God. That's what he said. Jesus would go on to face the most excruciating capital punishment in the history of capital punishment. And I've also wondered about that because Jesus was with God in the beginning, scripture says. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That's talking about Jesus. He was there in Genesis 1.1. He saw the timeline and if he came to our time, 2020, what would he face? Maybe lethal injection at the worst? And he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm gonna go right here. Because capital punishment will be the absolute worst at this moment in history. And I wanna show people that even in the worst, I love them the most. And Isaiah wrote about it. 800 years before it happened, which is pretty crazy. It's one of over 300 prophecies in the Bible that come to fulfillment to the letter. So America is less than 250 years old, and yet 800 years before crucifixion was a form of punishment, Isaiah is writing about it. And he says that Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. He was pierced. He was crushed. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. There was punishment and there was wounds. These are the four wounds of the crucifixion. And by the way, these didn't just happen to Jesus. They happened for you. Let me say that again. They didn't just happen to Jesus. They happened for you. And I'm going to talk about each of these. I want to talk about them in order, but not necessarily the order you see here. I want to talk about them in the order that they happen. So he gets tried at night. They find him guilty. He is the son of God. They said, you're lying, you're blaspheming. And so then commences the scourging. And what they would do, you may have heard about this, but they would take what's called a cat of nine tails. And it was a, a wooden handle about 18 inches long. And it had these nine thick, heavy leather straps on the end of this handle. And on these straps, they would have horsehair. They would tie with horsehair uh, bones and shards of glass and rock and wire, really sharp things. They would tie them with horsehair. And then they would dip that, that whip. You may have seen a movie where like they whipped Jesus. That's not what happened. They would take that cat of nine tails and they would, they would soak the leather straps so that they were very, very heavy. And they would, with two hands, take that and they would strike Jesus. I just woke somebody up. I'm so sorry. And the bone and the shards of glass and the rock and the wire would go into his back or into his shoulder muscles. So there were 39 stripes. They did 39 because 40 was supposed to kill you. And in fact, many people didn't make it to 39. They were killed in the scourging somewhere before then. But they do 13 stripes here across this shoulder muscle 13 stripes here across this shoulder muscle and 13 across the spine of the back. And they would slam that cat of nine tails into Jesus and then they would yank it up or yank it down to pull it out. 
39 times. And that's the first place we find freedom. In the whip, in the cat of nine tails, you find freedom in your body. It says, and Isaiah, by his stripes, or by his wounds, you're healed. So he went to the cross, not just to give you salvation, but he went to the cross so that you could have freedom in your body. How many of you believe that God is still a healer? I do, wholeheartedly. I've seen it happen. I've seen people with stage four cancer go into total remission. I've seen people with leukemia completely healed. I've seen crazy things. And sometimes he heals medicinally. Sometimes he heals miraculously. Sometimes he heals on earth. And sometimes he heals in heaven. And I, I know people on all sides. Why doesn't he heal, heal everybody in, in, on earth? I don't have the foggiest idea. I don't know. But I know that he can and he still does heal. I've seen him do it to friends of mine. I've seen him do it. And I'm going to pray at the end of service that God's going to heal some of you who are watching that need a miraculous touch. He gives you freedom in your body. It's by those stripes. He says, I'm taking the punishment so you don't have to. I want to heal you. His eyes still open. The great physician still taking clients. First Peter says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed. That's what we're going to do. At the end of service, we're going to pray for you. Some of you need healing, and I'm believing God can still do it. Our God can do anything. Well, what, what about what the doctors have said? Yeah, with man, this may be impossible, not with God. All things are possible with God. I'm praying right now for somebody who's given up on chemotherapy, and they've called in hospice, and I'm saying, God, you're God. Do what you want to do. I believe you can heal her. So after the scourging, they took him to a place that he probably should not have gone. It was uncommon for him to go to the praetorium. The praetorium was just this basically chamber of the general of the guard. It was the, it was the Roman guard's locker room. And he was called the king of the Jews, and they didn't like that. The Romans wanted to have, a, have authority over the Jewish people, and so they mocked him. They put a purple robe on him, and they blindfolded him, and they'd slap him. And they'd say, you're a prophet, tell us which one struck you. And not only could he tell you which one struck him, he could make him a grease spot on the moment, right? <laughs> he could do it if he wanted. But he was quiet and he was innocent. The Bible calls him like a, a lamb being led to the slaughter. So they messed him up a little bit and one of them fashioned a crown out of thorns, big thorns, probably two inches long. And they would take that crown and they shoved it into his brow. And it created blood, not only dripping down his face, but it, it would actually do this intense pressure where the blood would reverse toward his brain. And he had all this pressure, right? And remember what Isaiah said. He says, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Well, where do you, where do you not have peace? Right here. Right? This is where we lose our peace so often. The thorns, that's freedom in your mind. The punishment that brought us peace. So many of you, especially during this season, are, are, you have fear, you have anxiety, you have worry, you have depression. He said, I want to free you from all of that. 
I want to free you of all of that. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Thankfully, it's not the same peace the world's offering goes. This is a different kind of peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I love this out of Isaiah 26. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So our mind stays on him and he gives us that perfect peace. He went through pain in his head so you wouldn't have to. Now, I know a lot of you are struggling with some things, and some of that is, is medically diagnosed. I actually used to have depression. My family has a history, a lineage of depression. It runs genetically in my family, in my DNA. And in high school, I've seen, I saw a psychiatrist. I took medication. But I'm telling, I'm not knocking those things. Those things are helpful to a lot of people. I'm just telling you, I've been freed. I don't take any of that anymore. I want you to have freedom in your mind. I don't want you to have fear and anxiety and worry and depression. Those things are not from God. And I believe that he can help you. Now, some of those things might help you. Again, I'm not discrediting those things. I'm just saying, I found freedom. I want you to find freedom. And I'm gonna pray for you as well. So after that, he went back to the public and uh, he had to carry his cross. That's what they made criminals do. They would have to carry their cross very heavy about a mile uphill to Golgotha. When they got to the top, they took massive nails and they drove them through his hands and through his feet. You know the story. And I don't know that they were actually in his hands. They probably were in his wrists because Romans believed that the hand was elbow to fingertip. That's why a lot of Romans greet each other this way. And if they put the, the, the spikes here, the nails here, probably wouldn't have carried all of the body weights. So they probably drove the nails here. And they would bend the knees a little bit, and that was all intentional because the goal was not for the person to die from blood loss or from pain, but from what was called asphyxiation. They would suffocate to death. So they put a little bend in the knees, and then they would drive a nail through the person's feet. And what would actually happen is they couldn't breathe. They were suffocating in their own blood. And so they'd have to push up. Imagine pushing up all of your body weight as weak as you are after 39 stripes of scourging and trying to push up just to catch a breath and you fall back down. And then you can't breathe again and so you're pushing back up. Your back going against that splintery cross. And they drove it through his hands and his feet. This is why that's important. It's because the hands are everything you've ever done. And the feet are everywhere you've ever gone. And sometimes we do things we shouldn't do and we go places we shouldn't go. And I love that Isaiah said he's pierced for your transgressions. And the nails are freedom in my hands. It's freedom from everything that you've ever done that you shouldn't have done and every place that you went that you should never have gone. He goes, I want to give you freedom from all of that. I love Hebrews 8, 12. He takes it a step further. He goes, I'm going to forgive the wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. 
So he doesn't just forgive you of your sins. Come on. He doesn't even remember it. When I was little, I don't know, I was probably eight or nine, old enough to know better. Me and my, my buddy, Andy Parker. Hi, Andy. Uh, we, uh, we thought it'd be a good idea to take some, some dirt. There was a big mound of dirt. And they had some, you know, it's West Texas dirt. So it had like big clots of dirt, clumps of dirt. And we would take them and we threw them at this old rickety truck. And we thought that was a great idea. In our heads, we were in like this battle and we would throw this dirt and hit the truck and the clots would explode. And uh, well, that person who owned that vehicle found out that it was me who did it. So he contacted my dad and my dad said, I'm, I'm so sorry. And he said, I'll pay for your truck to get repainted. It was pitiful. It didn't need to be painted. Nevertheless, my dad paid for it. But he didn't let me forget. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, I, I, I got it. I got in trouble. Okay, well, I think a lot of us think that that's how God is, that he paid for our sins, but that he, he still remembers that he's going to make us pay for it eventually. No, 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 he goes, I don't even remember. I don't even remember. In fact, he takes it a step further. Some of you... Some of you, you know that he's forgiven you and you believe that he doesn't remember that, but you haven't forgiven yourself. You're like, I just threw dirt at that car. You're still beating yourself up over something. Look at this. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. He goes, I want to forgive you. I don't want to remember it. And I don't even want you to remember it. I want you to be free from everything you've ever done, from everywhere you've ever been. I want you to have freedom in the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm going to come back to that one. In the ninth hour, he breathed his last breath. It's about three in the afternoon. That was the ninth hour. And that kind of surprised some of the Roman authorities because in the ninth hour, I mean, a lot of, a lot of guys would hang on the cross for days before they actually expired. And Jesus died pretty quickly. But just to make sure, one of the Roman authorities took a spear. And he took the spear and he jabbed it under the rib cage to pierce the heart to make sure that he was dead. Sometimes they break the kneecaps so that you couldn't push yourself back up to catch a breath. But in this instance, they said, we're going to jab this spear under the rib cage to pierce the heart. And scripture says that when the, the Roman soldier did this, a mixture of blood and water flowed. I don't really understand modern medicine, but medical science tells us that that means when blood and water flowed that the heart had already ruptured. That they went to rupture the heart and the heart had already ruptured. Which means his, his heart was broken. How did Jesus die? Was it blood loss? No. Was it pain? No. His heart was crushed. Remember Isaiah? He was crushed, crushed. In fact, Proverbs 17 says, a merry heart does like a good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up your bones. And that's the last one, is the spear is freedom in my heart. Listen to me, church, listen to me. He wants you to have freedom in your body. He wants you to have freedom in your mind. He wants you to have freedom from everything you've ever done, done or anywhere you've ever gone. And he wants to bring joy back to your heart. And some of you can relate with this because you've been brokenhearted for various reasons, because of divorce or disease or wayward kids or job 
opportunity gone wrong or financial bankruptcy, whatever. I don't care what it is. You've had heartbreak and Jesus said, I want to experience that. I want to live that so I can relate to you. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. When Jesus died on the cross for you, it was doing so much more than saving you. He said, I want to give you complete and total freedom. I want to give you freedom in your body. By my stripes, I want you to be healed. I took the lashes. I want you to have freedom in your mind. I took the crown of thorns. I took it on my head so you don't have to take it in yours. I want you to be free from worry and anxiety and fear, depression. I want to free you from all of that. He wanted to free you in everything you've ever done wrong and everywhere you've ever been you shouldn't have been. And he goes, and I want to free your heart. I know a lot of you have been heartbroken. Some of you watching today are heartbroken. He goes, I want to restore the joy. I want the joy of the Lord to be your strength. Here's what I'd love to do as we wrap up our service. I I want to give somebody the opportunity who's watching today an opportunity to trust Christ as Savior. Again, that's, that's the main reason he went to the cross. But I just want you to know that if you're not experiencing all these other things as well, you're missing out on the high price he paid. Because there's more benefits than just salvation. But salvation is why he went there. It is because of us that he went to the cross. That's why came, Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners. It's 1 Timothy 1.15. That's why he came to earth in the first place. The only reason we have Easter next week is because, because Christmas, he said, I, I'm coming to save people. Like I'm coming Christmas to save people, Easter. That's what was on his mind the moment he set foot on this earth. So I'd love to walk you through a prayer. Scripture says in Romans 10, 9, you hear me say it every week, but if you confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want somebody to find salvation as well as all the other freedom that's found in the cross of Christ. So I'm gonna pray with you. And there's nothing magical about the words I'm praying. I just want you to mean it. It's the only real thing. Just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you would come into my life and save me. Forgive me of all of my sins. I'm thankful you not only forgive them, but you forget them. That I have found freedom in you. And because you went to the grave, I don't have to. My spirit will live eternally with you because I'm giving my life to you right now. Come into my life, say this with me, come into my life and be my savior and be my Lord. You're in the driver's seat from this day forward. Help me to find freedom. Say it, come on. Help me to find freedom in my body in my mind, 
in my hands and in my heart. And thank you for freeing me from sin, death, and the grave through the power of the cross. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, I've got a number I want you to text. I want you to text the word SAVED to this number right here, 325-221-3001. Here's why. I'm going to get that message, and I want to follow up with you. But I'm a pastor, and I want to help you take your next step. Again, we're on this continuum, and you just went from I don't believe to I believe. You took a step. I want to help you take another step. So I want you to text this word SAVED to 325 221 3001 or you can send me an email my, my email's on the website just say Pastor Reed I did it I'm in I gave my life to Christ today I'm going to celebrate with you and I'm going to probably send you something in the mail I just want to just celebrate that it's a party the angels are celebrating right now I'm celebrating with you I'd just love to know so that I can follow up with you at this time I want to pray for you that you'll find freedom because a lot of you are looking for freedom in one of these areas I mentioned today. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, there are people that are watching today that need freedom in their body. We still believe that you are a great physician. And so we're not gonna worry about those issues. Your word says, do not worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we make our request to you and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So God, we're just asking you to intervene in a mighty way. We're calling on the great physician. If you were here in person, you can heal with a word. You can heal with a thought. You can heal, God. You're massive. You're, you can do anything you want to do. God, we pray you'd heal. There'd be people that have physical healing that's happening right now in Jesus' name all over this broadcast. God, there'd be people that would find healing in their mind. That God, if they are suffering from fear and anxiety, especially during this season with COVID-19, depression, God, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I pray you'd heal them in their mind. You took that on your head so we don't have to take that in ours. And God, some people are getting help from medicine. I pray you'd give them the miracle of healing, of freedom that's going to happen. God, I thank you for the freedom we've talked about through our hands and through our feet. The freedom that comes from forgiveness from the cross of Christ. And the last one is, is freedom in our heart. There's so many people that are watching today that are brokenhearted for one reason or another. They're crushed. But God, you can restore. And so we're asking in Jesus' name that you would, in your amazing grace, restore.